welcome to the Fully Free Podcast with your host, Taylor Lee. This is the podcast to get real about what it takes to become the wealthiest and happiest version of you. After creating my first seven-figure year, 12 months after having my first baby, I am on a mission to show as many women as possible how they can create tons of money in their online business with the most ease and joy possible. I'm here to inspire you and guide you with weekly episodes on money, marketing, life, and all things online business. All right, let's dive in to this week's episode. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to the Fully Free Podcast. It is so surreal recording this right now because I actually have my baby. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I know not everyone, not all of the listeners are going to be interested in a birth story. (laughs) So if you're not, that's okay. Don't worry. I promise I'm not going to only talk about this stuff. Um, but a lot of, you know, I love talking about motherhood. I love talking about these experiences because a, I think they're conversations that are needed and B, I know that I do have a lot of moms or women who want to be moms in the future in my audience who are interested in this and C, there's a lot of lessons in, I mean, I wrote a post about this on Instagram recently. It's like, Um, when you see the announcement post, so the first post with Lucy in it, it'll be like two posts after that. There's a post that kind of talks about this really briefly, which is your story. So I'm a business coach, right? And so my story has a lot of elements that aren't about business coaching, right? Because I have a whole other life. Well, I have a whole life (laughs) that includes lots of elements. And part of that is being a mom. And so um, I just wrote about how I do share a lot about, you know, my birth experiences. Some of you have heard me talk about rubies. We'll talk about that a little bit today just to show the contrast um, between these two experiences. But, you know, I talk a lot about motherhood and I talk a lot about um, the things that motherhood teaches me and the things that birth has taught me and the things that pregnancy has taught me. I mean, God, could I, uh, gosh, I know I've shared about my pregnancies so freaking much. So love you guys for always listening to that. But there's story, like there's lessons in the stories, even though the stories may have nothing to do with business, the lessons have to do with everything because everything is so connected. And, um, you know, I'll say this really quickly, which was not in that post, but it's just coming to mind right now. I think we need to give ourselves One, the point of the post was give yourself permission to share your story, share the parts of your story that might not even be related to what your business is because it builds connection with your people and your story is there for a reason. Your story is divine. You cannot go wrong sharing your story, even though it may not be completely related to your industry, the lessons are there for a reason and they're meant to be learned by you and they're meant to be shared by you. I really believe our stories are just like the most um, valuable thing that we have. And the other thing is that was not in that post that I'm thinking about now is give yourself permission to live life because you're going to learn. I mean, I've, I've been running my coaching business since 2015, 2016, and I have learned more about business and money and sales and manifesting and strategy and all of those things through my relationship and motherhood and just life in general than I have from business. (laughs) And you guys know I'm a big advocate of hiring a coach and a mentor and learning. And that's something I've been doing, you know, when you have a new baby and especially if you're like breastfeeding and there's just so many times where you're just kind of like scrolling on your phone, to be honest. And so I've bought like way more courses and workshops and things from coaches I admire than I have in years. It's been really fun to learn and listen in. And I've learned a lot and they're really, really valuable. Don't get me wrong. But I just, my life teaches me so freaking much, you know, and it, and it lets the things that these mentors are telling me in these trainings and stuff really sink in because it's like, 
yeah, I get that because I've seen that in this area. And I just think when we're in business, we're so afraid to let ourselves live our life for some reason, because we think it has to all be business, 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 but your life is so divine and it's waiting to teach you multi-million dollar lessons right now as we speak. So go live it and immerse yourself in it and reflect on it and think about it and pull out the lessons and share the lessons. Anyway, for those of you who have not seen and those of you that have, Lucy, our little girl, our second little girl is here. She was born. (laughs) She exists. (laughs) She's not in my belly anymore, Um, which is crazy. And I'm feeling such incredible deja vu right now because I started this podcast right around the time that Ruby was being born, maybe a little bit before that, I think. I don't don't completely remember. I think when I was pregnant, I started it because I, I, I knew that when I had a baby live streaming, which is something I definitely did every week, if not many days a week was not going to be as easy, but podcasting would, right? And when I started this podcast, I literally went through, I have a couple of different voice note recording apps, um, mostly because I just haven't deleted the ones that I don't like. Um, but it's so, it's great because I can hit record. And then on this one I'm using, which is called AVR Pro, I can pause. So if Lucy starts to cry or, you know, she needs to eat or whatever, I can just pause do that and then come back, which is really nice. Um, you can't do that on a live stream very well. So anyway, it's like deja vu because I I just, I literally remember recording podcasts two years ago with Ruby in the exact same little vibrating seat that Lucy's in right now. (laughs) Oh, it's just crazy. So anyway, Lucy was born. I had a huge secret that I announced to the world, which was that we had a home birth And I want to talk about that. And I I just, I want to share this, especially there's a lot of lessons in here that are multi-million dollar lessons for me in business. So even if you're not interested in this, I'm sure you'll pull out some really cool stuff, but especially I know there's women in my audience right now that are pregnant and in no way am I going to tell people that you should have a home birth. Like, no, (laughs) I really don't think you should have a home birth unless you really, really want to, because mentally I had to do so much work to like, allow that for myself. And I just think that you should have your birth exactly how you want to have your birth, whatever that looks like. So I'm not advocating for anything except, I mean, you'll hear what I'm advocating for, which is for you to choose and you to believe in yourself and you to know that your desires are meant meant for you and are divine. But anyway, (laughs) um, we had a home birth and I kind of kept it a secret. Like the only people who knew were my husband, obviously, our birth team, obviously, my sister, my mom, and a couple other people on the internet that I knew who I knew mostly who had had home births. And by a couple, like, I mean, like maybe three other people like that have had home births or that I just know, know a lot about home births, know a lot about like just the natural ways of doing things. I don't, I don't know, like just people who I knew would envision me having a very successful home birth and wouldn't even bat an eye out at it. I didn't want to tell anybody, and I don't mean this in like a bad way about anybody at all, but I didn't want to tell anybody who would have no clue what I was talking about (laughs) or would be against it or just wouldn't understand it. Like I didn't, I barely had the bandwidth to go for it I already felt crazy enough wanting to go for it. This is a business lesson. Have you ever felt so crazy about your business? Like, I can't even believe I'm going to do this or post this or say this or sell this or put my price. Like, I barely had the bandwidth to trust my desire. I did not have the bandwidth to be educating people about my decision that I was like barely making. You know what I mean? Like, this is probably the biggest, I mean... If you know me, know me, you know that I I like a little mystery in my life. (laughs) I keep a lot of things secret. Um, I keep a lot of things close to me. But this was like the most extreme thing I feel like. And it was so beneficial because I chose to do what I wanted to do. I put myself in my little like cocoon and or bubble, however you want to think of it. And I just hired the people I needed in my corner and I 
did the work I needed to do to allow it to happen. And that work was educating myself on it. And that work was doing inner work to really believe that I was capable of having an all natural home birth with no intervention. Um, and it was hard. (laughs) It was hard and it was scary and it was, but it was so powerful and such an empowering experience. And, you know, I, I know I have a lot of, um, peers and friends who have also had traumatic births. And here's the thing about having a traumatic birth is what was traumatic for me may not be actually traumatic for you. So someone else, although, you know, I just want to say like, you may have had a more traumatic experience. You may have had a, maybe, I don't know how to say this correctly, but like maybe your birth experience wasn't as, and I'm talking about with Ruby, which I'll talk about a little bit, maybe yours was not as, um, I don't know the word intense. I don't know, but you know what I mean? Maybe yours is technically not as bad, whatever that means, but it feels worse to you than even mine felt to me, right? Like your trauma may be worse. It may be less. You may have the exact same experience and not feel any trauma from it. I don't know, but you're just allowed to feel how you feel. I felt like my birth experience with Ruby was incredibly traumatic, especially because just the whole, everything, everything with her just felt very traumatic up until when she was born. And so, you know, experiencing loss beforehand and being really afraid during my pregnancy and then having a, what I would consider a traumatic birth experience where I wanted a natural birth then. I wasn't really like so set on it. Like I wouldn't have been, I don't, I don't think getting an epidural or, or even being induced would have actually been traumatic to me, but I really wanted to feel like, despite everything that had happened, I was so capable. And I just, I have, I don't know, like nobody in my family that I know of has really had these experiences of like needing to get induced, which there's literally nothing wrong with. And I feel like most women these days do get induced. But, you know, I went overdue. I went 11 days overdue. I like fought and fought and fought to not have an induction. I ended up getting induced. And then I had an emergency C-section and I'm not going to share all the details of, of that, but briefly put, that's what happened. It was days in the hospital. It was really, really long. I was on so many pain medications that like high as a kite (laughs) when I had my baby handed to me, I didn't get to hold like tons of other people got to hold my baby before me, like all these things that are just not and again, you may disagree with me. Like this may not feel as, as, um, saddening to you as it was to me, but like, I just feel like all of these things that like, I can't think of the word. I cannot think of the word right now, but like the way that it's supposed to be, it was just not that way at all. Now, here's the thing about that birth that I want to say This is so huge in business. And if you are having a baby soon, I just want to say this. When I went into the hospital to have Ruby and I knew I was going to have the induction and I had come to terms with it and I still really didn't want it and I still tried to get out of it, but I just just kind of gave up at that point and decided to try to accept it and it wasn't that big of a deal, right? I was, the, the thing I was most afraid of going into the hospital for that induction was to get that IV in my hand. (laughs) So when you have a baby, usually they put this IV like at the top of your hand. And I had been told by a really good friend, like it is so painful. It's like crazy. Like it's like the worst part. Like, and I, I was like afraid of needles. So I told, so my point in saying that is I knew I had a lot of fear of needles and just not really the medical system, but just like, you know, the things that, like needles. (laughs) And so I told myself when I went to the hospital, like, I'm going to let go of my fears and just do whatever the doctors want me to do. And some of you may think that sounds like a really great thing to do. What I have learned is that blindly trusting anyone above yourself is never the best thing to do. That's what I learned from that experience. I wish I wouldn't have gone into it with that mindset. I, I wish I would have gone into it with the mindset of like, I'm safe here. These people are here to help me and help my baby and keep us safe and keep us healthy. And I'm willing to hear the options, but I trust my gut instincts above everything. So I went in and I was like, I'm just going to do whatever they tell me to do. 
the couple things that I don't want are this and this and that. Like I just, I knew there was a few things I really did not want. As soon as I got in, every single thing I did not want, they said I was going to do. And because I had committed to dropping my fear and just doing whatever the doctor said, I did all the things that my intuition was like, these don't do these things. They are not going to work for you. But I didn't want to be a scaredy cat. Anywho, I do think that my intuition was telling me what was not right for me. I think that my body was not ready. I think that a lot of births are rushed in the United States. I think that um, induction does decrease risks of certain things, but increases risks of other things, which may not be death, to be very blunt, but are traumatic. Um, And I think my body knew what was right and not right for it. And I think... Yeah, that's what I think. I think my emergency C-section was not really an emergency. I think I had just pumped so much shit into my body that it did not want that it led to that. Anywho, I knew I wanted to go a different route. Having Lucy, and it was so terrifying. Um, and I just knew, like, I remember feeling like this in the beginning of my business and it feels so corny to relate all of this to business, but like, it is just so related. So number one, don't blindly trust a coach. Don't blindly trust a mentor. Don't blindly trust anybody. Don't tell yourself, even though I have these gut feelings about what's right and not right for me in my business, I'm just going to listen to what this person tells me to do because I've done that as well. And it's worked about just as well as that experience having Ruby in the hospital did. Okay. And also to be clear, I'm not saying that hospital births are bad at all. I'm just saying the way that I went about it in my experience was traumatic and I didn't want to repeat it. So that's, those are, that's just such a huge lesson for me that I'm going to take in the rest of my life. And I will never blindly trust anybody. I will look at my options and I will educate myself and I'll trust my intuition above all, which is exactly what I did with the home birth. So when we moved to Florida, I forget exactly where I was in my pregnancy, but, um, well, I guess I was a just out of the first trimester. Cause once we got here is when we found out the gender, we found the gender about 15, 16 weeks. So I had started researching. I knew I wanted to do a natural birth. I knew I wanted to do a home birth, but I thought my husband would think I was crazy I was scared of it. Even though I knew I wanted it, I was scared of it. And so I started researching the doctors. I knew that if I had another hospital birth, I was very, very likely to have another C-section. Yes, a lot of OBs will tell you that they support VBACs, blah, 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 which is having a vaginal birth after a C-section, if you don't know. Um, But if you look at the stats, once you've had a C-section, even if you fully qualify and are fully capable of a VBAC, you are just way more likely to have another C-section. I just knew that to be true. And at this point, I'm thinking with my luck, (laughs) I should just plan for having another C-section because that's what I learned with Ruby's birth was like every single thing I didn't want, I got. And every single stat that I thought I wouldn't fall into because what are the odds I fell into? So with my luck, I'm gonna have another C-section. Might as well come to terms with it. What I did do was I researched the doctors in my area that did C-sections and all of them had malpractice. Now, don't get me wrong. Tons of doctors have malpractice um, lawsuits. It's just people sue. Does it mean anything? No. Could it mean something? Yes. But here's the crazy thing is I had come across this TikTok that was going viral of this woman who had nearly lost her life having a C-section. And I got this really bad feeling. And so I stalked her a little bit and she lives maybe 10 minutes from me at the hospital that I would deliver at. Now this hospital has tons of successful C-sections with no issues, but it was just my sign. It was just my sign. And so I mentioned the idea to my husband of a home birth. He was so on board, which was kind of shocking. Maybe not looking back, but it was shocking. And because he had gone through that same trauma with me, right? So he had already saw how terrible of an experience it was. And there's so many little things about that experience that were terrible for me um, that are just normal. But for me, they just gave me so much anxiety, so much discomfort, um, whatever. Anyway, and so he was like, yeah, let's do it. 
So I started looking at midwives. I found a midwife who I instantly knew was the right fit for me because she's so confident. She's so knowledgeable. Um, I just, I couldn't even describe it to you. I, you, I just felt really safe in her presence because she was willing more than any doctor has ever been with me, which now I've learned ask these questions, but she would like, you know, when a doctor just says like, oh, your odds for this will go up or the, like this might happen. Like they don't tell you numbers. She laid out all of the numbers for any question I had. Like, here's the chances of that happening. Like with a percentage, um, like she just, it, it just felt like it felt really good to actually hear the numbers because sometimes someone might tell you that your odds for something are going to go up. And then you hear like, Oh, by half a percent. (laughs) And it's like, Oh, so what is like your decision is, does that half a percent? And there's no right answer here. It's just up to you. Does that half a percent or that 1% increase of that, that thing happening make you feel safer in this setting? Or do you feel safer in this setting, even despite that. Right. And so I just felt really safe with her. And the other thing is I could feel this very high level of confidence and advocacy from her in the woman's body and in the woman's capability to have a baby without having to go to the hospital. Because when you're having a baby, you're not sick. There's nothing wrong with you. It's not an emergency. And it felt so empowering to hear that, especially after my previous experience. And so I hired her which is an out-of-pocket cost. I hired a doula, which is an out-of-pocket cost. Um, I got all the stuff ready to have a really nice comforting home birth at home, which came with out-of-pocket costs. And so I'm saying out-of-pocket costs because um, that was another thing for me was a lot of gratitude that I had the money to do this, that I had created the financial freedom to do this. Now, granted, even with our insurance, the cost of having a hospital birth would be almost exactly what it was to hire the doula. Um, or excuse me, the midwife. And then the, so it was like, you know, a few thousand dollars difference, really a little bit more expensive at home than in the hospital. And the worst case financially was that I would pay for all the home birth stuff and then have to be transferred to the hospital financially, like also health-wise, but financially too. And so, we looked at that and we looked at what that would end up costing. What was really empowering financially was to say, I'd rather not have to pay for both. Like I'd rather pocket that money that we would have to pay if we had to pay for both. But if we had to pay for both, it really would not affect us financially. Like, of course I'd rather pocket that money (laughs) and invest it or save it or spend it on something I wanted to spend it on. But if we needed to, we would be absolutely, completely, totally fine. And I have been working with so many women who are, are, you know, I think when you go through something serious in life, I experienced this when I had um, a miscarriage. It was just like money and business seemed so stupid. It just, I was like, I can't even fathom wasting energy talking about this because who cares? Like there's so many other important things. And I know a lot of us have experienced that with everything that has been happening in the last few years with um, human rights and COVID. And I mean, the list goes on, right. And and we get more awareness around these things or these things in the world happen. And you just think, how could I even care about money <laughs> at a time like this? And I totally get that feeling. I felt it so many times over the last few years. And what I just want to say is to an extent, it's kind of true, but to another extent, money kind of rules the world and money pays for freedom at this point. Freedom really is unlocked. Not always because you can get lost in money and, you know, this is just such a, this would be a whole different conversation, but so just know I'm keeping this brief. (laughs) I'm like trying to like say it the right way, but, um, briefly the way I see it is like money is going to create more freedom for me and my family. And if I really allow myself true wealth, I can help create freedom in other people's lives too, right? And even just like, I feel like I created more freedom in my life by doing the home birth, which costs money that I know some people would choose not to do a home birth, even though they really wanted to simply because of finances. I've seen it happen left and right. 
in these groups I'm in. But because I was able to, now I can share it with people who might decide to, and that might feel like freedom to them or might decide not to, and that might feel like freedom to them. Anyway, there's just, there's so many things. Like, it's just sad to see people block themselves from money because they feel like there's more important things. There is, there is more important things. But in today's world, Money is also an important thing that can buy you and your family freedom first and foremost. That's our first job, I believe. And then the more financial freedom you give yourself and your family, the more financial freedom you and your family can give others. And the more impact you can make because of the experiences you can now afford and share. And that might be buying a designer bag and going to Paris. It might be having a home birth. It might be advocating for something. It might be like, you know what I mean? It can look all sorts of ways, but now that you can do these things, you can share these things, or you can give money, right? Or probably both. The more freedom you give yourself, the more freedom you can you can put into the world. So that was a huge lesson. Um, yeah. So I feel like I learned so much about mindset in this experience because what was really stuck in my head was the possibility that I was not capable because I have been shown so many times through actual situations that my body is not capable, that it might be hard for me to carry a healthy pregnancy, that it might be impossible for me to go into labor on my own, that it might be impossible for me to even birth the baby. How am I supposed to know? know? And I think a C-section is birth, but you guys know what I mean. Um, That's how I felt, unfiltered. That's how I felt like, okay, I'm gonna do this but how do I know I'm capable when I've been shown that I'm not, when I've been told that I'm not, when I have proof that I'm not, this is so huge in business. You try to sell private coaching spots. It doesn't sell. Well, how do I know I'm capable? You try to, you raise your price and nobody responds. Well, how do I know I'm capable? You launch your business and you don't make sales for three, four, five, six months. It's proof that you're not capable, but it's not. So I had to take an experience where I had so much proof I was not capable and prove to myself that I was capable. And the way that I did that, so a lot of mindset work is very airy-fairy kind of, (laughs) where it's, you know, I'm literally, I still have these affirmations up on my wall from the birth. Um, I put like affirmation cards up and stuff, which is like a big thing home birth people do. But it would be one thing just to tell myself every day that I am capable my body is capable. My body knows exactly what to do. I was made to birth. Like all of those are true. Just like you could say, I'm a money magnet. I, I, I am meant, my desires are meant for me. Like you can say all these things, but if you've been given proof that that's not true, are you really going to believe them just because you're saying them or writing them in a journal or have a pretty printout of it on your wall? So while mindset is a very inner thing, I had to find proof, even when I was given the opposite of proof, that I was capable. And the way that I did that was through having people on my team. So in business, this might be coaches, mentors, right? Or peers, mastermind sisters. In birth, for me, it was having a midwife and a doula who I was talking to at the end every week. And I would share my fears with them. And you know, they're not mindset coaches by any means, but they held a belief stronger than me, right? My my doula would call me every week and she would literally just talk to me for five or 10 minutes and just tell me like, you're so healthy, you're so capable, you were gonna have an amazing birth experience, you were gonna do amazing. And that's why I knew she was the doula for me. While, while the midwife felt so just like confident and sure and factual and the doula felt like a very motherly, loving cheerleader. And I liked having both of those energies on my team, which also might be why you have different types of coaches and mentors. Um, but anyway, like she would tell, and, and then the other thing that she would do, and my midwife did a lot too, is tell me stories of other women, right? So my doula had had an induction for her first child and then went on to have a home birth and go into labor. She has six kids, so many more times on her own. Um And she also had many clients who had had C-sections and very similar experiences to me who then went on to have a home birth or a successful VBAC or go into labor on their own. And 
my midwife would share those stories with me too. So finding other women who had had that same start that I had and then wrote themselves a new story like I was working on was really helpful. Also, um, having just people on my team who held such a powerful belief where when I was afraid, like, but what if I can't go into labor? Now they would never laugh at me, but to them, they were like, what do you mean if you can't go into labor? You can like, that's just what we do as women. Like, you don't even have to worry about that. You're going to go into labor. And remember, it wasn't that you couldn't go into labor before. It was just that you were induced before you did go into natural labor. And, you know, so having people who can remind me, who hold a higher level of belief than me in me. And this is the thing that gets really wonky in the coaching industry that I want to add to this. Um, you know, when you're, when you're giving birth, it, the people on your team are not giving birth. There's not this like power dynamic of like, they hold the power and I'm getting my, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to like sink to their power. It's, they hold the knowledge, right? And they're just a support system that really see and believe in my power, in a woman's power, and reflect that to me. And I think that is so needed in the coaching world. And I've always felt like this about my clients where it's like, I've seen it. Like I've, I've hired coaches who for a fact, cause they sold me this way and they sold me. I mean, I chose to buy, but you guys know what I mean? It's like the selling factor was I'm so powerful. I'm so capable. This is the coach saying this. So you need to work with me cause I know the way instead of you, the client, are so incredible, so powerful, so wise, so capable. It would be an honor to work with you and keep reflecting that to you. And that's something I've always done with my clients is I don't, I don't want to give you my power. I want to f- reflect to you your power. And my birth team did a really amazing job at that. And, and I, I think that that's so important in the coaching industry. And so know that both when you're hiring support people in or outside of business um, to look for that, someone who's going to show you how powerful you are um, and how capable you are. But also know that as a coach, if you're feeling this pressure that you need to show a level of perfection or whatever, like, yes, you want to be in your power and share your power and share your energy and shine. But it's not really, it's not actually about that. It is your job to be in your power. Your clients don't need to hire you to have your power. Your clients get to hire you and your job can literally just be to reflect their power back to them. Anyway, that's just a huge learning lesson as well. Um, God, what was I saying? So that's a little bit about the birth team and how I shifted the mindset, right? Finding other people's stories and seeing myself in those stories. Instead of hearing people's stories and thinking, well, there's proof that they're better than me. no right? Seeing myself in their story and saying, well, if she can do it, I can do it. That's proof that I am capable. Looking at the stats, reframing my experience, right? The induction taught me that I wasn't capable of going into labor on my own, but was that ever the truth? No. So reframing the actual thing that happened, if possible. Um, And feeling the feelings. Like I cried so much in this pregnancy and in the birth, not even from pain, but just from like releasing, 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 feel the feelings. It's safe to feel the feelings. It's good to feel like release them. One thing a mentor told me before was tears are the trauma leaving the body. And I think that's just something you can choose to believe if you choose to, but I choose to believe that. And so I let myself feel it. And, you know, I'm an emotional authority in human design. So something I've really had to learn with that is like, A, you're going to have emotional ups and downs. They don't mean anything. And so I let myself feel the fears and cry them out and talk them out. But I didn't, I didn't make it mean like, oh, because I'm afraid of this, it's true, or it means this, or I'm not capable, or I haven't shifted my mindset enough. It was just, I'm gonna feel these feelings. That's it. It's just a fact. So that was really good. Um, and I guess by the time the birth came, I had to be able to tell myself during the birth a few things exactly what I did in year one of my business. A few things that even though I didn't have complete proof around for myself, I could believe. And so I just, I mean, the affirmations are so simple too, right? Like I think we hear about affirmations and they're so 
beautifully, they're like eloquent, you know, they're just, the words are so beautiful. I don't speak like that. And it used to be an insecurity of mine that I don't have this like really beautiful, profound, vast vocabulary, but my affirmations in my birth were just, this is going to go so fast. I'm handling this so well. Um, and this is actually freaking happening. (laughs) I'm doing this. Things like that. I just told myself the entire time. And that's the exact experience I had. So my job during the pregnancy up until the birth was just get myself to a point where maybe I would still feel the feelings of my trauma because it was still there. And I knew that the experience of a different experience would heal a lot of that trauma in itself. So I knew I would go into the birth with the trauma, some of it, but to just be at a point where I could fully believe I can go into labor on my own. I can give birth at home. I can give birth naturally. I can do this. And so that's, that's what I did. Um, and the birth itself was really, really good. You guys, I mean, I know this is kind of a different birth story. Like it's, I'm not doing it how most people do it. And I'll keep, I'm going to keep the birth story part pretty brief, honestly, because that's just what I feel called to do. But I had many ups and downs at the end, especially when I went over my due date and I keep talking to people about this and my midwife and I just sat down and talked about this, about how, you know, I, I went into labor at 40 weeks, four days, which is so funny now because I'm like, that's, that's so, that's hardly even over your due date, like four days. It's like nothing. But when I was in it, those four days felt like a freaking lifetime. And, um, Lucy was born on a Monday. My midwife had came on Saturday and, um, Saturday night because something had happened and, and she, I had not had any cervix checks or anything like that. I didn't really want to, but because of what had happened and whatever, and she was in the area, she came, we did a cervix check. I found out that I was three centimeters dilated, 50% efface, like things were happening which was so good to hear, even though, um, you know, I, I, there's so many things about birth I learned I could share, but it's not really what this podcast is. Um, but one thing I've learned is that cervix checks are so irrelevant, but to have one after my due date and just hear like, oh no, your things are progressing. When with Ruby, I was checked and nothing, like not a face, not dilated, cervix was really far back, like nothing, no progress. I secretly was afraid that that was going to be the same thing. And so to hear that like, no, your body's doing what it's supposed to do was like, oh, it helped. But anyway, the time between Saturday night and Monday morning felt like two weeks because it felt like I had, at least it felt like a week, I'll say, because it felt like I had a few days of feeling so confident in my body and that things were happening. And then it felt like I had a few days of like depression. Like, never mind, it's not happening. I really thought something was happening. Like, but really it was one day, it was Sunday. <laughs> it felt like it felt like a week easily. Um, it just it's I know that might not make sense to you guys, but like what I'm saying is days go by very slow at that point. Anyway. Monday, the third, I woke up at like 3 a.m., really crampy, not contractions, like a two-hour long cramp that would not go away. Not like, I wasn't in misery, but I couldn't sleep. And plus, you know, when you're at that point, you're kind of excited and you're overthinking everything. And it was probably such, so not intense that I probably could have slept. But, But between the discomfort of the cramp and my mind racing, I couldn't sleep. And I don't know. I just decided like I had woken up with cramps like this so many times, which I think it was my body progressing. So I didn't really think it was happening, but I was hopeful it was happening. It had nothing like that had happened since I'd been checked, which granted was one day, but I, it literally felt like days. So I decided to take a bath, chug a huge water and eat a snack. Incredible, incredible decision. So then at around 6 a.m., um, cramping was still going. It was turning into more contractions. When I would lay down, it would be this like, 
I want to say intense, but like not, it wasn't really intense, but it'd just be like this cramp that didn't, it wasn't contractions. It just was like a nonstop cramp. But then once I was moving, it was contractions, whatever. That can really mean that like, it's probably not going to progress in a lot of ways. Like if it's only when you're moving anyway, I called my, I waited to call the doula until 6am. I think she came over about hour and a half ish later. We walked, we timed the contractions very tolerable. I mean, I was walking, I was eating, I was talking like so tolerable. Like we were both at the point we were, where we were really thinking maybe it's happening, maybe it's not. And so she told the midwife what was going on around, I don't know, maybe eight or nine, like eight, probably eight, eight o'clock, probably now that I'm thinking maybe eight thirty nine I don't know. And the midwife, I, th- I think from my experience, probably didn't think things were going to progress as quickly as they did because the contractions were like really close together, like one to three minutes apart, but very, very tolerable and really short, like 30 seconds long. And so from there, she mentioned like to do spinning babies, which is, I wanted to say that I did spinning babies. If you haven't heard of it and you're pregnant or you're going to be pregnant, please do spinning babies while you're pregnant. I did spinning babies at least three or four times a week. Um, there's like the, I think they named it something different now, but the way I've heard of it is the three sisters. We did that, me and my husband would do that. And then there's also the daily essentials, which I would do. Like, this is something that honestly, any OB I've ever had does not teach, does not mention. I can't even believe that. I think that would have just changed the game with Ruby. Honestly, please do that. If you're pregnant, please, please, please do that. I cannot believe OBs don't talk about that (laughs) or midwives. If you're in like a office with midwives, I mean, they're just different. I'm just going to say it. They're different. They don't talk about it. They don't teach it. How important it is for your body, like to help your body, like open up and make room for your growing uterus and baby and, and your get your pelvis really like flexible. And it's just so important. And that's what spinning babies helps you do. It doesn't actually help you spin your baby. Um, please do that. (laughs) That blows my mind that that's not taught. Anyway, she mentioned to do spinning babies, like help things progress, help baby get in a good position. Um, and she, she, um, mentioned going to the chiropractor. So, we did that. We did spinning babies. We, um, my chiropractor had time for me to come in at 10 o'clock in the morning. So my doula drove me to the chiropractor. At this point, I was a little nervous to be in the car because I had had already a couple uncomfortable car rides, just like baby sitting on your cervix. It's like really uncomfortable if you hit bumps or whatever. So I was kind of not looking forward to it, but I was in such little pain that when we got there, I was like, oh my God, that wasn't bad at all. Go to the chiropractor, get adjusted immediately. And this could just be coincidence, who knows, but it definitely is a great, I also went to the chiropractor at least every other week, oftentimes every week, do that if you're pregnant. <laughs> Prenatal massage, at least once per trimester. I, I could have done better with that because you just deserve to have massages. Chiropractor and spinning babies. You guys have to do that. Anyway, um, <laughs> Like I didn't do a ton of walking. I like, I didn't, I didn't stay super active, but I did do those things and completely different experience. Um, as soon as the chiropractor was done adjusting me, I went into probably like a transitional phase in labor. I don't know how far along I was, but to the point where I could not stand up in contractions, I'm literally in the lobby of the chiropractor on my hands and knees, like making noises and everything, like in excruciating pain. I mean, I don't want to say excruciating pain, but anyway. Um, (laughs) Here's the thing is now looking back how close I was to having my baby at that point, I'm shocking. I'm shocked. I wasn't in more pain, but because I thought I was not very far along just because of, you know, how not long I had been in labor and whatever, it it felt excruciating. But if I would have realized I was three hours away from having my baby, very manageable in that sense. So barely got out of the chiropractor office. She literally, um, in like invited us to stay if needed. Um, and I want to say this, the person I had do my prenatal massage 
was also a doula that came to my house, not a prenatal massage at like a spa, completely different experiences, completely different massages. So the person who did my massage was also a doula and did home births and was in this world. The person who was my chiropractor understood birth and babies and specialized in pregnancy and um, is close to my midwife. So everybody on my team knew about the home birth, was supportive of the home birth. I don't want to say experts in home birth, but like I all around, I had a good team and anybody who was not in that world was not going to be on my team. Like I was just, it was very sacred. Um, yeah. So we left the chiropractor probably around 1030 and I had the baby at 130. So three hours later, by the time we got home, it was 11. Um, and by the time my midwife caught here, I was nine and a half centimeters and I had the baby like 40 minutes later. It was crazy. Um, during that point, we just did a lot of different positions and my support people supported me. I literally had to get into the tub while pushing, which was actually not that bad, but I really didn't think I was going to be able to get to it. Um, and I literally was in the tub for like 15, 20 minutes before the baby was out. (laughs) It's just crazy. It's crazy. I would not have expected myself. It was a 10 hour labor, but it was three hours of pain. I mean, I'm just going to call it what it was. It was three hours of pain before that was literally just like crampy, you know, um, but very manageable can talk through it, can breathe through it. Who knows if it's even going to last, right? Very, very, very manageable. Didn't even really need my doula there at that point, but good thing she was because of how quickly it escalated. So it was a 10 hour labor, but honestly, it was more like a three hour labor. If I'm, if I'm being honest, I did not think it was going to go that fast, even though the whole time I told myself, this is going to go so fast. I'm handling this so well. It's really happening. I'm doing this. Um, Really simple affirmations that really got me through it. So, I mean, that's that, you guys. I'm not going to go into tons of detail of the, like, every minute of the birth, but it was simple. There was no complications. Everyone was healthy. It went really well. Um, If I ever have another baby, hands down, I would do that again. So much more enjoyable than the hospital. I got to, like, Frankie got to catch the baby. I got to hold the baby right away. Um, people were here for about an hour. My midwife came back the next day. There wasn't nurses in and out of my room every 20 minutes, which was excruciatingly annoying at the hospital. It was just really, really good. And I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I want to say. I'm going to do another episode in a couple of weeks about like, I'm still kind of, I am on maternity leave. This is like the first business thing I'm really doing, but, um, Yeah. I'm going to do an episode in a few weeks kind of recapping maternity leave and like what went well, what didn't. Um, I'm doing it kind of similar than I did with Ruby, but also different, a little different than I thought I would, but also similar. So I'm going to just share that because I know a lot of people will be curious about that. And I think it'll be a good episode to send clients to and stuff in the future because when I have clients who are pregnant, it's like, that's the hard, this is one of the hardest parts to plan for is like maternity leave, especially when you're a first time mom, but I'm a second time mom. And it's still been like, I have no clue. Like how long do I need off? What's going to feel good? What's going to feel like too much. So I'm going to do another episode on that. Um, but I really wanted to share this. And I guess a couple of the last things that I learned just to kind of wrap this up and, and end this episode is you get to decide what you desire. You get to trust yourself and even things that you've been shown you're not capable of, you are capable of if you choose to be. You can always do the mindset work to shift anything that's happened to you. You deserve to have a team that will support you. And it's also okay to keep your desires close to you. I do teach my clients in business, like tell people your desires. Like tell your tell your following, tell your clients, tell your family, tell your partner. But And I do believe that. And I I really like that in business, especially at the point I'm in now, because I I do well with a challenge, right? And that feels like a challenge to me. Like, watch me do this, even if you don't believe in me. But there's certain things where this felt so sacred and so shaky as well. Um, I just see other women who share about, you know, because I 
you know, what you decide to do, you're going to find other people who are doing it and follow them. And I see these women who are planning home births and they share the process of planning it. And they're really confident when they say that that's what they're going to do. And I don't, it just seems like they're not nervous at all. And like, they have no doubt that they're capable of it. And I, I would have liked to document more of the experience because it was so special. And in some ways I wish I had more documented, but that this was not that for me. And it wasn't meant to be that for me. It was meant to be held close. And and that's the thing is it wasn't a secret. It was just held close, you know, because I had a full team, my chiropractor, my, um, lady who did my massages, my midwife, my doula, my husband, my sister, my mom, um, a couple peers on the internet who I, like I said, I knew have been through this and would see me like having a successful home birth. So it just felt like getting some good manifesting vibes. Um, so yeah, I was just holding it close and I just, I learned that that's okay sometimes as long as it's not a secret. And as long as you're getting the support to accomplish it, because if it's not something you're so confident to tell everybody, like I'm freaking doing this, then you definitely need support. And in some things, even when you are super, super confident, you still need support. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's what I did right was I told people who would have no wavering energy around it. Um, I had support. I had a full team and I did the inner work. I also did the outer work, which was more like prepping, of course, but educating myself and really learning about what could help me be successful with this and doing those things and like the spinning babies. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you guys, like anybody who's going through this or has gone through something like this, or I know this is, can really hit home for a lot of you, although I know for a lot it won't resonate at all or even be of interest, but feel free to message me on Instagram um, and you can ask me questions or we can chat or you can just let me know what this supported you with because that would just mean a lot to me. In a few weeks, we'll have the maternity leave episode out and I have a couple other episodes coming up too, of course. So I will see you there. I'll see you in next week's episode and maybe some of us um, will chat on Instagram about this. Bye guys. Real quick before you go, if this episode gave you value, got you inspired, or has you feeling more confident than ever about your big goals, can you do me a quick favor and go leave a review? It would mean the absolute world to me and it helps other powerhouse women just like you find this show, which is truly the best gift that you could ever give me. So thank you in advance for leaving a five-star review. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon.